0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 737. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the book of Hosea with chapter 9. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We've got six more chapters, counting this one to finish up the book of Hosea. And guess what? We've got a little more punishment ahead. Punishment for Israel. Do not rejoice, Israel. Do not be jubilant like the other nations, for you have been unfaithful to your God. You love the wages of a prostitute at every threshing floor. Threshing floors and wine presses will not feed the people. The new wine will fail them. They will not remain in the Lord's land. Ephraim will return to Egypt and eat unclean food in Assyria. They will not pour out wine offerings to the Lord, nor will their sacrifices please him. Such sacrifices will be to them like the bread of mourners. All who eat them will be unclean. This food will be for themselves. It will not come into the temple of the Lord. What will you do on the day of your appointed festivals, on the feast days of the Lord?' Even if they escape from destruction, Egypt will gather them and Memphis will bury them. Their treasures of silver will be taken over by briars and thorns will overrun their tents. The days of punishment are coming. The days of reckoning are at hand. Let Israel know this because your sins are so many and your hostility so great. The prophet is considered a fool, the inspired person, a maniac. The prophet along with my God is the watchman over Ephraim, yet snares await him on all his paths and hostility in the house of his God. They have sunk deep into corruption as in the days of Gibeah. God will remember their wickedness and punish them for their sins. When I found Israel, it was like finding grapes in the desert. When I saw your ancestors, it was like seeing the early fruit on the fig tree. But when they came to Baal Peor, they consecrated themselves to that shameful idol and became as vile as the thing they loved. Ephraim's glory will fly away like a bird. No birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Even if they rear children, I will bereave them of every one. Woe to them when I turn away from them. I have seen Ephraim like Tyre planted in a pleasant place, but Ephraim will bring out their children to the slayer. Give them, Lord, what will you give them? Give them wombs that miscarry and breasts that are dry. Because of all their wickedness in Gilgal, I hated them there. Because of their sinful deeds, I will drive them out of my house. I will no longer love them as their leaders are rebellious. Ephraim is blighted. Their root is withered. They yield no fruit. Even if they bear children, I will slay their cherished offspring. My God will reject them because they have not obeyed him. They will be wanderers among the nations. So, More bad news, and we told you at the beginning, or I told you at the beginning of this particular book that we're going to get a fair amount of bad news because Hosea was sent to Israel to tell them they need to turn around. They need to stop because the punishment is coming. Judgment is coming for their behavior, especially for the worship of other gods. So let's go back through this over again a little more slowly. So do not rejoice, do not be jubilant like other nations. So a time of mourning is coming, and that comes up many different times in this. You love the wages of a prostitute at every threshing floor, threshing floors and wine presses. I wonder if that is the particular place here is not because threshing floors are a particular place, a particularly useful place to meet up with a prostitute, but you're talking about a time period when wages are coming in because you're in that harvest season uh, when When bounty is there, and I wonder if that's where they're spending their money, or at least metaphorically in this case, where they're spending their money. And he says, The new wine will fail them, they will not remain in the Lord's land. Now, remember, they think, or probably they think, that this is their land. And God is reminding them that no, this promised land is the Lord's land. And so if they are unfaithful to God, One of them is going to go away, and it's not going to be God. And so indeed what will happen here is that they will be removed from God's land. And it's really interesting because I think sometimes we here in my country, in the United States, we think of ourselves as a chosen nation, as a nation blessed by God. And it's important for us to remember this may not be our land either, uh, that we are here, wherever we are, wherever you find yourselves, at the grace of God. And so it is It is prideful <laughs> for us to think that we have earned whatever place we have and that we will always have it. And that's, I think, how the Israelites are thinking at this point. It says, Ephraim will return to Egypt and eat unclued food in Assyria. Now, at this time period, the two biggest nations on the block— are Assyria and Egypt. And there's a lot of tension between the two. We said they try and play one off against the other. Now, this is just before the rise of Babylon. Babylon is not a big player on the stage, the world stage for very long. Uh, For about a single generation is Babylon uh, really a major player. And they haven't yet arisen at this point, but they will uh, certainly by the time of the Babylonian captivity. And, of course, they will fall. At the time, at the end of the Babylonian captivity, that's why the captivity ends, is the fall of that major player in the area. So at this point, it's Egypt and it's Assyria. It says, they will not pour out their wine offerings to the Lord, nor their sacrifices please him. Such sacrifices will be like the bread of mourners. Now remember that in the Mosaic law, one of the things with mourning is if you touch a dead body, you are unclean. And so he says, all who eat them will be unclean. This food will be for themselves. It will not come into the temple of the Lord. And so he's saying that your sacrifices aren't going to please God. And we've talked about this many times. It's not going through the motions. It's not the acts of faithfulness that are important. It is being faithful. It is doing what God tells us to do. So, for instance, it's not a big deal for us to say we're Christians if we don't love our neighbor. If we don't do the things that Jesus said were important If we don't do those things, we're really not. We're really not God's people if we don't obey, if we don't really do what he wants. And that's what's going on here with Israel is they're claiming to be God's people, they're thinking of themselves as God's people. And God is saying, you are not my people. I'm not going to be taking your sacrifices or don't think they're going to be doing any good. That's not what I'm after. So what will you do on the day of your appointed festivals, on your feast days? What are you going to do... With this worship that you've been doing, this fake half-hearted worship, their treasures of silver will be taken over by briars and thorns will overrun their tents. This isn't good. Punishment is coming, and they're going to be turned into um, a wasteland is really what that is saying. The days of punishment are coming. The days of reckoning are a hand. Let Israel know this, because your sins are many and your hostility is great. Now this one stood out for me. The prophet is considered a fool, an inspired person, a maniac. I've been reading recently in my personal devotions through some of the pastoral letters in the New Testament through Timothy and Titus in particular, and I think of that section in Timothy that says that in the end times, people will gather around them, teachers who will tickle their ears, not really wanting to hear the truth, and sometimes we don't want to hear the truth, and that's not a good thing. If we take someone who is coming to us with truth and consider them a fool— you can see that that might be a bad thing, not just because we're rejecting the truth, but we're rejecting the truth and taking the consequences of whatever that lie is. And, you know, and in this case, the prophet is the one who is trying to come to save them, trying to come to bring them back to God. And they're considering the prophet Hosea and all the other prophets foolish. Well, they're actually the ones who are being foolish because they have been blinded to the truth. The prophet along with my God is the watchman over Ephraim, yet snares await him in all his paths and hostility in the house of his God. So he is the one who is watching out for them and yet they're laying a weight for him and yet they're being hostile to him because they have sunk deep into corruption as in the days of Gibeah. God will remember their wickedness and punish them for their sins. And then I thought there was an interesting section here in chapter in verse 10. When I found Israel, it was like finding grapes in the desert. When I saw your ancestors, it was like seeing the early fruit on the fig tree. It's an interesting way for it to tell us of the joy of that relationship between God and Israel. When God is finding the faith of Abraham, you know, finding is the word that's used here uh, as if he didn't know it was coming. But when he is this, you know, bringing the people out from Egypt, when he is dealing with the people of Israel, there is joy in it. And I don't know if we can quite understand that. If you haven't been in a desert and not been hungry, you can imagine what it would be like to find grapes that are not just a good source of food, but they also have water in them and and how refreshing and quenching and wonderful and joyful this would be. But it says, but when they came to Baal Peor... And Baal was one of the gods, again, of the Canaanites that they worshipped, and they consecrated themselves to that shameful idol, that shameful idol, as we've talked about, that was worshipped in part with sacrifices of children and things like that that were really vile, and they became as vile as the thing they loved. It's interesting, this idea that we will become like that we love. If we love people who are loving, we will become more loving. If we love people who are spiteful and hateful, we will become more spiteful and hateful. If we love God, we will become more like God. If we love Baal, if we love these false gods, they were becoming as vile as that thing they loved. I think that is always true that we become more of where we where our hearts go. Ephraim's glory will fade away like a bird. No Birth, no pregnancy, no conception. Even if they rear children, I will bereave every one of them. Woe to them when they turn away. So, not good news here in terms of what's going to happen. This is very bad news. You know, basically, you're you're going to be cut off. Your line will end. Your nation will be gone. Woe to them when I turn away from them. And we see this theme in the Judges, for instance, of God having his protecting hand on the people of Israel. And then when they turn away from him, he doesn't so much send punishment always as take his protection away. And so, woe to them when I turn away from you. Woe to you when I when I am not protecting you. All the things that uh, you don't know, all the things that I have saved you from. I've seen Ephraim like Tyre planted in a pleasant place, but Ephraim will bring out their children to the slayer. Not good news. Not good news. Then the Lord, give them, Lord, what will you give them? Give them wombs that miscarry and breasts that are dry. Again, the end of their people. Because of all their wickedness in Gilgal, I I hated them there. Uh, Gilgal is a couple different places are named Gilgal in the Bible, and it's not clear exactly which place this is. Gilgal was the place where they raised stones as they came into the promised land. They put 12 stones there. Gilgal means standing stones. And so there are a couple different places named that Saul, the king, was anointed at the place called Gilgal. So whether we're talking about one of those two historic places or just a different place of standing stones where they're worshiping false gods, I don't know. But definitely the the idea here is that it's someplace that they're doing sinful deeds, and that probably means it's someplace where they're doing idol worship. I'll drive them out of my house. I will no longer love them. All their leaders are rebellious. They're blighted. Their root is withered. They yield no fruit. Even if they bear children, I will slay their cherished offspring. How many times is this come up here about basically their line being cut off? My God will reject them because they have not obeyed him. They will be wanderers among the nations. Again, we're going to get a lot of bad news here in the five chapters that are left here. Not because God is not trying to bring them back, not because God doesn't want to love them, not because God doesn't remember with joy that time he found them. I use found in quotes there because that's what it said, you know, like grapes in the desert, but because they will continually turn away from him. Of all of these things, I think the thing that is most memorable for me in this and most applicable for us is, who do we love? What do we love? And the thought that we will become more like that person or we'll become more like that idea or we'll become more like whatever is our God. And I think that's an important thing for us to think about and be careful where our hearts are. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at com, or better yet, Leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. Jesus wants our fears to launch us toward faith. Then he grins and says, do you trust me? Because together we can do this.